Welcome in to another great edition of That Sports Show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, That Sports Show. Coming to you, well, I guess I'm recording live. Coming to you live from one of our old home base studios. Happened to be on this side of town. Decided to drop in and record a show while we were here. Obviously a little later in the week than we wanted to do the show. I will do my best to get it out a little earlier next week i promise but there's a lot to talk about we're obviously going to talk some, we're going to start off with some nfl after that we've got some atlanta united some rugby atl uh, a lot of fun stuff going on but first i want to tell you that if you want to be a part of the show here are the ways you can do so you can email us at three endzone at gmail.com that is the number three e-n-d-z-o-n-e at gmail.com that is the blanket email for impact media if you want to put that sports show or something related in the subject line that's great if you don't we can figure it out and as some of you have learned recently i am the one who answers probably 98 percent of the emails I'm not sure what happens to the other two percent but i practically answer all the emails um what else oh you can search for us on facebook search for impact media that sports show or jeremy york any of those should bring us up if you want to just click a link and listen to a show we appreciate you guys you can go to our twitter account at team impact media and just uh, find the appropriate show click on the link and listen to it as many times as you want you can, if you want to follow me personally for show-related things and unshow-related things, as I said on last night's Strong Style, um, if you follow me, you would have seen some of the photos from last weekend's trip to the Putt Shack up in Atlanta. That was a fun time. Definitely check them out. They are really cool. We actually stayed and had some of the food. Um, Really good. It's right there in a really nice area. There's a lot of stuff you can just walk to. Just find a good space to park, like the parking deck. And uh, you can practically walk to everything around there. That was really fun. But in order to see those photos and things we do, you got to follow at the Impact 99 That is T-H-E-I-M-P-A-C-T-9-9. And uh, you can do that on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. We're gonna work. I'm working on getting some more stuff up on Triller and TikTok. I promise you guys. And as always, you can also find us anywhere that you find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, the iTunes Store, and practically anywhere else. If there's a place you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find us, let us know. We will fix that very quickly. All right. Before we get into any Atlanta United or Rugby ATL news, which we'll probably do at the back part of the show, let's start with the NFL. We know the NFL playoffs will continue tomorrow, but there have... Uh... No, no, let's start with the playoffs. Let's start with the playoffs. Let's recap last week's games, because those are going to lead into some topics we're going to have. Let's start with last Saturday's opening game. The Jacksonville Jaguars went to Kansas City and came up just a touchdown short. They lose that one 27-20. to Let's start with the Chiefs. The Chiefs played a pretty good game, pretty solid game. They play at home. They play very well there. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league. I don't think that's opinion anymore. I think, um, you know, we could debate number two. I have actually got it as Burrow. Some people say Herbert. Some people say Josh Allen. That's fine. You won't even hang on to uh, Aaron or, or Tom at the moment. Whatever. But I think we can all agree that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. 
he has Travis Kelsey, the best tight end, arguably the best pass catcher in the league. And, um, you know, I got to agree with some things I've heard that uh, James Tony is, is, can be good. And he's, he's actually a name people recognize, but uh, they, they need to beef up their receiving core. I could see that in a draft I could because uh, their money's tied up elsewhere. But their run game and a little bit of that, – that line was better, but a little bit of help. That's, that's things they should be looking at. And um, obviously, they're going to try to win a Super Bowl first. But the Chiefs – the Chiefs are going to keep rolling. The Chiefs are doing some pretty good stuff. So – uh, they should be fine. Now, the Jaguars. Let's go to the Jaguars. For those who don't know, a couple years ago, I did cover the Jaguars through Impact Media for uh, a couple years. And that's why I defend them, and that's why I stand behind them a lot, because that is um, a great organization. They didn't always have the results they wanted. They didn't always have the player talent they wanted. There were a few missteps, like Iron Urban Meyer. But you're not going to get a more passionate fan base. I think there's a bunch of really passionate fan bases. But until you go to the corner of Duval and Bryan on a game day and see the Till Street Hooligans, the Bold City Brigade, friends of this very show, until you go meet the Mayor Casey Jones, until you know who those people are, until you've you've uh, hung out with Jackson Deville, you probably don't get the Jaguar fan base, and they're just they're like I said, just top of the league in my opinion. They're they're some of the best, and uh, you know I I could point to fan groups and others. I know some some Falcons fan base groups. I know some Dallas. I know some Pittsburgh. I know a lot of them. the 49ers have got a really good home base here in Atlanta. I got a really good one, Niner. Got the name of them now, Niner Nation or something. But the point I am making is that this Jaguars fan base has stood behind this team, and it's about time that they finally have something great happening. This team, I would be willing to bet if they played the Chiefs five times on a neutral field they would win at least one, if not two of them. And I'm not saying the Chiefs are bad. I'm saying the Jaguars are really good. Trevor Lawrence turns out with the right support and the right coach, a.k.a. Doug Peterson, that he has turned into – he's going to be one – you know, I just mentioned all those top quarterbacks. Within the next couple years, you're going to probably put him in the top eight. He might be higher depending on how things go, depending on how you look at it. But the pieces they have on this team, they have this. They have a scary defensive line. That is a defensive line that I want no part of. Uh, they had, they had rumored to potentially want to bring Jalen Ramsey back. I don't think you need him. You save a lot of money by uh, either drafting or, or getting somebody else. But um, Trevor Lawrence, like I said, his development has come along very well. Having Travis Etienne, uh, Jamichael Hasty had some uh, fantastic moments this year. If they get that run game really going, just a couple little tweaks. And Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, Evan Ingram even, th- those are people that, that you need to, to hang on to. Christian Kirk, here's the thing. They signed Christian Kirk to that massive deal, and everybody – and I mean everybody. There's a couple people. I said give them a chance. A couple of you guys said give them a chance. The Jaguars fan base said we love him. They signed him to a number one wide receiver contract. And a lot of people said, well, he wasn't a one in Arizona. What did he ever do to show that he was a one? Why would he get that much money and all that? You know who didn't question that? The Jaguars. You know who didn't question that? Christian Kirk. You know who didn't question that? Trevor Lawrence, you know who didn't question that? The Jaguar Nation. And what Christian Kirk do this year but put on a massive show? And he's the number one. He's a one, guys. 
He absolutely earned his keep this year. He ended up with 1,108 yards receiving, eight touchdowns, 84 receptions. That's an average of 13.2. Is that not crazy? That's crazy. And I get what you're saying. That uh, he didn't uh, he didn't do so much with with Arizona. Uh, he always played a lot, but he did he didn't uh, didn't always start or didn't always didn't always get you know didn't always get the big billing. Well, maybe he's been held back because he got the chance to shine, and he absolutely did. That was a home run for for uh, the cons. That was a home run for Jacksonville. And we see that it almost paid out dividends immediately as they made the divisional round, guys. They made the divisional round. And you look at their division. The Colts are still trying to figure it out. Houston, they're at the bottom. They're going to have to build up. Who am I missing? The Titans. The Titans need a quarterback. They don't have one. You know, they always say in college, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I don't know that they they don't even have half of one. It's not the guy they drafted. It's not Ryan Tannehill because he he, he did okay. But that, I mean, Titans are going to have to get a quarterback on top of all they do is run the ball. So even if they get a quarterback, who's he throwing to? They traded their receiver to Philadelphia, and guess what? That guy's possibly going to play for a ring. So if you're the Jaguars, there's a chance you win the division next year again. Or at the very least, you're a wild card. I, I see them potentially winning the division. I'll go on and say it right now. What is this? Uh, January 27th, 2023. I'll say it right now. I think the Jaguars are probably, forget probably, I'm just going to say it. The Jaguars are going to win the division. They're going to win the AFC South. They might win it by two or three games. And that should scare people like the, the Chiefs. That should scare people like the Bengals and the Bills. They're, that's teams that, that are going to have to play them at some point. It's a scary team. The Chiefs, hey, they're counting their lucky stars that, that they found a way to beat the Jaguars because the Jaguars almost come back and beat them at home. That's supposed to be the hardest place to play here at Stadium. And yet, here's the Jaguars. They lose, I think it was an interception that caused the whole thing. It's been a minute since I've seen it. They were so close to making that comeback work. That means next time they will. Next time, they're going to be even better. Now they know that a lot of these guys have been in the playoffs before. They know what you got to do. That should scare people. Yet in the long run, the Chiefs advance, and we'll talk about their matchup here in a minute. Uh, let's stay on the AFC side because the early game on Sunday, it's because big business, those games were put in the places they were on purpose. Um. Bengals versus the Bills. I said all along. I may not have said it on this show because I don't think we did a show on it. I said the Bengals are going to smoke the Bills. I said the Bengals are going to smoke the Bills. And they did, 27 to 10. I don't even think it was that close. And this was in Buffalo. So, what home field advantage? Joe Burrow doesn't care. Joe Burrow will play on the moon. He'll play in your sister's basement. I think he probably prefers the moon. This guy. A lot of people say he is like this generation's Tom Brady. I'll give you that. The the poise, the moxie, the all the fun, fancy words that everybody uses. He plays a lot. Like Tom Brady. The difference is he actually moves around. And last time I checked, he's not married to a supermodel. But I digress on that. It's not everything, guys. The Bengals come into Buffalo and pretty much told the Bills to get off the field. They beat them in every aspect. They beat them up at the, in the trenches. They made sure that, uh, which in the conditions, it made no sense as well that the Bills, who have yet to still figure out their run game, 
in the conditions with the wind and the weather and everything, and they're trying to smoke the ball 45 yards down the field in the air down the sideline. What? When the conditions are that bad, you run the dang ball. You buckle up, you run the ball, you throw some short intermediate stuff over the middle, you throw the short stuff, and you let your receivers and your tight ends and your running backs do the work. Use their talent. That's what you're supposed to do. Can't tell Bills that. Now I don't think I don't think you know that the head coach is a hundred percent to blame. Brian Dayball, he did a good job, but but uh, the Bills are are you know questioning themselves right now, and they should be. You made it as far as the Jaguars. Are you better than the Jaguars? On paper, I'll give you that. On a field. Oh, if the Jaguars and Bills played right now, I think the Jaguars would probably win twenty to ten, or, or close to that. I mean, I, I bet they would. They would win by at least two scores. They have their stuff together. The Bills, they're. I mean, they're. Uh, what's what's that phrase? Uh, the the MMA guy Chelsea Sonnen says uh, the the Bills right now are standing on third base with a catcher's mitt. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know which way's up. They know they're not advancing. So the Bills got a lot of stuff to figure out. They won a bunch of games, but I don't even know if they win their division next year. At some point, Miami's going to get a quarterback. Two is good. He gets dinged up a lot. If they if they can solidify a couple places, they're going to be pretty good. If the Jets ever find a quarterback, they're going to be a Pro Bowl team. They're going to be an all-star team. They just can't figure out the quarterback. If at some point, New England, I mean, they just got Bill O'Brien back as the offensive coordinator. Finally, an offensive coordinator who can call offense. Joe Judge was not it. I, I, I don't know if Belichick had a Kyle Shanahan moment where he was trying to, you know, outthink the room or something. But, Bill, why are you trying to outthink the room? You're already the smartest guy there. You don't need to prove it. We know. Same thing with Kyle most of the time. Kyle, we know you're super smart. Kyle, we know what you know what you're doing. You don't have to outthink the room. Just just run the ball. Just win the game. But let's go to the Bengals, the Bengals side of this. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, I think he is the first-generation Joe Burrow. I don't like calling people the next incarnation of, of uh, Brady or anything like that, but I, I give you that. Uh, if that means he's going to have probably a handful of hardware by the end of his career, I, I could see that. I actually think he's a little more talented than Brady. I think he's got a, a more physical skills and attributes than Brady. Brady may be a little bit on the more cerebral side. And I don't want to diminish Brady because Brady was fantastic. He still is fantastic. But it helps when you have a monster defense that can buckle down even in the worst conditions and not allow the Bills to do anything more than 10 points. That's crazy. So then you, when you do turn it over to your uh, top-tier quarterback, I say number two in the league behind Mahomes, that uh, he, you know, he finds Mixon when he needs to. He finds – I mean, the fact that you have Mixon is, is just insane anyway. But uh, Samaji P. Ryan can add some big yards – they even did some end arounds with Jamar Chase. But yeah, you have Jamar Chase. You have Hayden Hurst, who emerged as the number two receiver this week. Hayden Hurst, he's cool. He's a tight end. Uh, P. Ryan out of the background. You had T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon had some catches. Trenton Irwin, Mitchell Wilcox. Heck, me or you could have got catches. And the Bills have a good defense. They have a solid defense. They have a good defensive backcourt. They're good in coverage. Joe Burrow made them look pedestrian made it look like it was one of us out there trying to cover him that's how good he is guys that's how good he is so the bills are standing on standing on third base for the catcher's mitt and the Bengals advance so we'll talk about the uh chiefs Bengals here in a minute let's go to the nfc side the NFC side, I completely got this one wrong. I thought the Eagles have been have went 2-0 on the Giants. 
I don't care if it's in Philadelphia or not. I think the Giants are the better team. I think they're going to beat the Eagles. And that was about the least intelligent thing I said all week long as the Eagles, man, 38-7 over the Giants. Yikes. 38-7, guys. That's not good. It it uh, it raises a lot of questions. Um, I promise you guys, I was drinking soda at the time I come up with it, so we'll throw that out. The Eagles are are better than I thought they would be. I thought maybe Jalen Hurts was not quite ready to go. I thought maybe they can't get that defense firing on all cylinders yet, and I was completely wrong. They were a buzzsaw and embarrassed the Giants for the third time this season. Giants have some questions. Um, Saquon Barkley's contract is up. Daniel Jones' contract is up. You're going to have to sign one and franchise the other if you are going to do so. The problem is is Saquon wants more money than you're offering him. So it makes better sense to franchise him. But if you franchise him, you practically know that you're either going to franchise him again next year or he's probably going to walk. The smart thing to do would be to sign him and to franchise Daniel Jones to give him another year to, to see if he's going to continue to develop because he's actually developed the last part of this year into a pretty solid quarterback. I mean, I would put him – I'd put him middle of the pack. I'd put him around 15, 14 which is not bad, but he, he has played well. He's played not up to being the number two or three overall, whatever he was. But the Giants are in a loaded division. They know that every year they're going to be staring at the Eagles. Eagles aren't going anywhere. They're going to be staring at the Cowboys. Cowboys are a couple pieces away from being a, just a, a monster. We'll get to them in a minute. At some point, the Commanders are going to be better. They've got a, a great coaching staff. They've got great people who develop young talent, and they actually have a lot of talent on the field. They, they're another one that's going to need a quarterback. There's a couple other ones, a couple other places that they could upgrade, and, and that is going to be the Hammer Division. It is. It's going to be the Hammer Division. But for now, the Eagles advance. Good on them. Good on Jalen Hurts uh, for... You know, he was always being told he was second best. And yet here he is leading this team to, I mean, he's he's a game away from a Super Bowl. A game away from a Super Bowl, guys. And this was somebody who was always told he was second best. That's crazy. So who is going to play the Eagles? Well, it's not going to be, people who are new to the show, my Cowboys. Not going to be my Cowboys as uh, the 49ers beat the Cowboys 19-12. to This is a Kyle Shanahan special. Very low-scoring game. There were many times Kyle Shanahan tried to outthink the room or outthink the stadium instead of just doing the smart play. I don't know why he keeps doing this. He did it here in Atlanta, and he cost Atlanta a championship. He's done it multiple times out in San Francisco and a lot of times costs his team game. Sometimes the best choice really is the most simple. You know, you're standing in front of your front door and you're thinking, I would like to enter my house. The door is unlocked. All you have to do is turn the handle, push on the door and walk into your house. The simplest way to get into your house. If you're Kyle Shanahan, you'll probably try to come through the chimney. And I just, I don't know why he does that. When you have, I mean, you're on your third string quarterback, but Brock Purdy looks looks comparable. He looks pretty pretty decent, all right? We'll give him that. Pretty good. To be drafted where he was, Kyle Shanahan's uh, system is, is rather simple. He's got... He's got Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, even Kyle Juszczyk, that can run the ball. That's four people who can run the ball besides himself. 
uh, Kittle, Samuel, Juwan Jennings. Good on that guy. He had he had a solid solid couple catches that really helped them out. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, McCaffrey even out of the background uh, at the backfield. He's got he's got more weapons than Nicholas Cage in Lord of War. Watch a movie. He, I mean, it's it's just it's just crazy how many weapons he has, and in a simplistic system. Brock Purdy is doing pretty well. But also keep in mind, guys, it has been four or five games. There is film on him now. It usually takes four or five for people to kind of figure him out. Let's see what happens. But let's also keep in mind, they only won 19 to 12. And they only won 19 to 12 because uh, Dak Prescott is another one who occasionally tries to do more than he should. His two interceptions definitely doesn't help. It also doesn't help that you lose Tony Pollard right after halftime, who was your best running back. It's not your highest paid. Um, and even as a as a Cowboys fan, it is going to pain me to lose Tony Pollard. Because if he's smart, he'll go somewhere else where he can start and be featured like he's supposed to instead of being Ezekiel Elliott's little brother. And it's only because they're paying him so much because Jerry gave him a bad contract. Yeah, I would love I'd love this team to do better than they do, but they're not going to. Not, in fact, at this point, we're going to get into this next. Uh, good on San Francisco. They advance. They will play the Eagles, which we will talk about in a second, and, and the Bengals and the Chiefs will square off in the next round. But before we talk championship, no, better yet. Let's talk championship games and predictions. Tomorrow at 3, it will be the 49ers in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. A lot of people are saying the 49ers are a good enough matchup to defeat the Eagles. That's possible. That's possible. But the Eagles are playing at home, guys, and the Eagles are rolling. And the Eagles are the number one seed. Does anybody forget that? They are the number one seed. At this point, they have seen anything Brock Purdy or Kyle Shanahan is going to come up with for Brock Purdy. We know that. That defensive front for the 49ers, they're going to be after the offensive line of, of the Eagles. That's going to be probably one of the best battles in this game. The Eagles have weapons. The 49ers have weapons. We talked about the 49ers' weapons uh, a minute ago. I mean, when you're the Eagles and you have Miles Sanders, you have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, I mean, that's, that's a Pro Bowl team. The 49ers, we talked about Debo and we talked about McCaffrey. And at some point, I don't think they're going to coexist, by the way. I think Debo Samuel is going to leave San Francisco. Just prediction. But this, if it's a low-scoring game, the 49ers have a really good chance to grind this one out. If the score starts to get out of hand, it's because the Eagles are blowing out the 49ers because they can put some points on the board. We saw what they did last week. They could do that on this 49ers team. And my prediction is the Eagles are going to do so. They're going to win 27-17, something like that. They're going to beat the 49ers. I think they're the better, more complete team. I think they're playing on on um, more emotion and more of a momentum role. And I just see the Eagles doing some fantastic, fantastic things in this game. And like I said, they're playing at home. There's a difference in playing in Southern California and playing in Philadelphia in mid to late January. Yeah. Give me the Eagles. But even if this game was played on the moon, where Joe Burrow prefers to play, then I, I still get the Eagles. Your AFC Championship game at 6.30 tomorrow night. You're going to get the Bengals. You're going to get the Chiefs. This one is going to be quite the opposite. 
of what I said the NFC is going to be. You get top billing when you're the top game. This by far is the top game. It's a reason why the Cowboys played on a Monday night and then a Sunday night because they draw clicks and eyeballs and remote drops. Well, Chiefs Bengals is going to be the must watch. You get the number one and number two quarterbacks in the league. And I'll, I'll even go ahead and say, you can start debating three and down, but one and two are these guys. We know their weapons. We just talked about them. We know their defenses. We know these are probably the two best teams. I say the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl this year. I said that a round ago. That no matter which of those four teams were getting in, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Which should already tell you what my Super Bowl pick is currently because I'm going to tell you. I don't care if they play an arrowhead because the Chiefs almost lost an arrowhead last week. They're going to lose this week because Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're going to beat them by methodically breaking down this defense and Joe Burrow making the plays he's got to make. Plus, the Bengals have a way better running game, so if they have to rely on the running game or have or need to use it at some point, I trust Cincinnati over Kansas City in that. We'll be watching along. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, suggestions. I told you guys all the places you can contact us here on the show. Um, any of those notifications will get sent directly to me, so if you send a message out, let me know. So according to me, my predictions... Your Super Bowl matchup in a couple weeks will be Eagles versus the Bengals. And that is going to be exceptional. Look, even any of these four teams, whichever make the, make the uh, Super Bowl is going to be great. I think Eagles-Bengals is going to be spectacular. Just spectacular. But there's my playoff. That catch up on the playoffs. We are going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk a little more NFL. We're going to talk some rugby ATL and some Atlanta United. But first, we will tell you about our friends at BetOnline.net. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on That Sports Show I'm your host, Jeremy, the Impact York. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They have all the betting lines, the wagering lines. They have the articles. They have the podcasts. They have all this information to make you a better, more informed fan. You can win all your debates, whether you're at your cousin's violin recital, if you're at the water cooler at work, if you're at the gas station. I was trying not to get too heated at those, by the way. But betonline.net, even if you can't wager, even if you choose not to wager, you can't bet here in Georgia where we're at. So I love to go on there and just get the information. Some of it I use right here on the show. Some of it I use just to win debates while I'm in an elevator. Yeah, I'm a lot of fun in elevators, by the way. So in the first part of the show, make sure betonline.net. Make sure to go visit them. Tell them Impact Media sent you. They love to hear that, and we love to hear that you told them that, because we do actually talk to them. First part of the show, we talked about the uh, divisional and conference championships and my my Super Bowl uh, picks, so to say, or who I think is going to make the Super Bowl. And uh, if you listen to it close enough, you can probably hear who I think is going to win it. At this particular point, I'll make official predictions in a week or so, maybe two weeks. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I do want to get into a couple NFL 
topics real quick, and then we will finish up with some United and some Rugby ATL news as we'll go more over their schedules and uh, Rugby ATL actually signed a new player. Uh, let's start right here with Atlanta. Hires Ryan Nielsen, who was the co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach for the Saints. They have hired him to be the new defensive coordinator. Luckily, there has only been a small percentage of um, ignoramus fans that have had a problem with a former Saint coming over to the Falcons. Get over it. Get over it, bud. Wherever you are in your job, let's say you work, um, you know, let's keep it at a gas station. Why not? Let's say you work at a quick trip. First off, I appreciate your service. Plus, you guys have amazing, amazing milkshakes and, and macaroni and cheese. My goodness, I could I could seriously just eat every meal at, at a quick trip. Probably shouldn't, but uh, you guys do a fantastic job. Another place that does a fantastic job are racetracks, at least here locally. Racetrack gas stations, not, not actual racetracks, tracks you would race on. So let's say you work at Quick Trip and you find out, oh, hey, we hired this uh, really good manager to come over here and, uh, you know, do some really great promotional things for us. And it's going to really make us better. Oh, man, that's great because our last manager had to leave. They, they had some things going on or, or they left for another job. We need another strong manager in here. Okay, well, we got this one. He comes from racetrack. Oh. What do you mean, oh? Used to be with your competition. Now he's part of you. Can't beat him. Join him. Nielsen knows that the Saints are, are about to be in some, some hectic times. They just lost their co-defensive coordinator. They're probably going to lose their offensive coordinator. They may or may not retain their coach. I would imagine they're going to at this point. There's a weird chance that Sean Payton comes back to coach them, but they are always in cap hell because they maximize their efforts. Mickey Loomis does a great job at that, by the way. Um, their play on the field was not where we thought they would be this year, but they still put up some decent numbers. But this is such a rebuilding division right now that – it's kind of the time if you're going to redo things to do things. That's part of why the Falcons are where they are. By hiring Ryan Nielsen, he's going to work, as it says, more with the defensive line. He's going to strengthen an already good group of people. That's going to help. Because if the pass rush and the containment rush can keep the other offense in check or delay them, just enough or hurry the quarterback, the opposing quarterback enough to make a quick, a quicker decision than he wants to. Then that means the defensive backs and the linebackers didn't have to worry about covering receivers for over five seconds. Ideally you want to have to cover somebody for four or five seconds after the fifth second, all of a sudden all bets are off and weird things can happen. It's a lot tougher because they're now no longer on the route. So you, they're less predictable. And it's harder. A lot of times, defensive backs are not as good as these number one and number two receivers, talent-wise. It just it happens. It just happens to be where the talent is. Where the talent and the money normally goes is to receivers because you get paid more to catch balls than you do to deflect them. You just do. It's just part of it. So, Nielsen coming in and working with the defensive line and Grady Jarrett, I mean, you know he had to be excited. Had to be excited to work with people like Grady Jarrett. He's going to turn this defensive line into just a bunch of hammers, a gauntlet of hammers. Remember the old Mario Brothers games where the, the big spike blocks would drop down from the ceiling? Yeah, that's that's what this is going to look like. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. I like to hire. I don't know a lot about Ryan Nielsen, and I will be the first to admit that, but what little bit I've dug into, I think I'm going to like him being a part of Arthur Smith's group here. And I think you guys would like him too. Uh, speaking of division news, Carolina has named Frank Reich as their new coach. Frank Reich. 
former Colts. Didn't have a really good tenure there. He was the quarterback coach when Philadelphia won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So before you guys write him off, because a couple of you Falcons fans, a couple of you Saints fans I've talked to recently, I uh, started laughing when I said it. I don't think I'd laugh. Frank Reich is a really good coach. Indianapolis' problems were not his coaching abilities. They never got uh, a good enough quarterback to go with the uh, personnel that they have. And even if they did, the once strong offensive line was not so strong this year, nor last year. And their owner, Jim Ursay, sometimes pulls a Jerry Jones and gets a little too invested in his team and starts meddling. When he does, goofy things happen. So, Frank Reich to, Cal- I mean, to California, to Carolina, I like it. It's got potential. Falcons fans don't be worried quite yet. I haven't seen the staff he puts together, but he already sees potential in the offense that they have which means he's not going to do a completely new offensive roster turnover. What he's going to do is use what he has. Now, he could try to go after a quarterback. Uh, I don't think the answer is P.J. Walker or Sam Darnold, but he can probably get something out of him. He's a former quarterback. In fact, he was the first quarterback in Carolina Panthers history. First one to play, I believe. Um, I think it's going to be good. It's, it's, everything balances in the NFC South. If the Falcons are going to get a little better and Carolina's going to get a little better, well, Tampa got a little worse, New Orleans got a little worse, you know, if this thing all, all balances, you really have four teams that two are on the way down, one is on the, or two are on the way up, one is in between, and one is on the way down, and they are all right there together at the 7-8-9 win club. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, Frank Reich in Carolina, I think it's going to make the division better, and I think it's going to make Carolina better. We'll see what it does. Um, you know, I'm going to save the other two topics for next week because I want to get into this other stuff, and I don't want to keep you guys for uh, too long. Uh, but just know they involve quarterbacks, and um, one of them I'm not going to be so nice about. But let's move on to some Atlanta United news. The main Atlanta United news is that Atlanta United has been practicing lately over at their Marietta facility. If you're kind of familiar with the area, they are right near Delk Road, Um almost to red hair. That's, that's about the area they are. But other than that, hasn't been a lot of changes or choices so much. We know Joseph Martinez signed with Miami after Atlanta bought his contract out. We wish him the best. The the uh, official King Peach that he was. I appreciate everything he did. But one thing that I have learned about the game of soccer slash football is that it's about roster churning and roster turnover that a lot of times you don't get a player, no matter how good they are, stay on the same team for more than a handful of years. And it's also just where sports in general are at this point. But it's about bringing in a player, developing them, and then right at the height or right as they're rounding over the hill of, of their height of their talents, finding a new home for them, turning a profit, using that money to build the next one, and just continually keeping the train moving downfield. That's what happened here. Joseph Martinez, through his injury, was trying to battle back. And at some point, I think he and the team, decided that it was best if he move on, if he goes to the next chapter of his life. Because of his contract and because of the situation, we all uh, we all were pretty sure he was going to stay in MLS. Uh, he has family 
and personal ties to the city of Miami. So uh, it was a good fit. David Beckham will take care of him down there. He will be uh, pretty good. I don't know that he'll ever be the star that he was, but uh, he's he's really good. And, you know, we're going to miss him here in Atlanta. And uh, I think Atlanta and Miami are planning some sort of double tribute or something when the two teams do play to honor him because he's one of the best players we've ever had here in Atlanta in the short tenure we've had. But at some point, you have to move past it and evolve. And that's where this team is at. Keep in mind, whatever strikers they sign, there's not going to be another Joseph Martinez out there that is uh, just super fast, speedy fireball, that uh, is good at cherry-picking goals. And cherry-picking is good in this sense. He's good at uh, finding the ball on his foot when he's in front of the net. That's a great thing. Uh, The ones they're going to sign now are going to be more methodical, potentially. Uh, But nobody's going to play like Joseph. That's what I'm trying to say. Just like nobody played like Miggy Almiron, uh, nobody plays a game like that. That's why they were such a crazy one-two tandem. But this team is going to go through a little bit of a transition, which I do do not think is going to be a step back. I think bringing in Garth Lagaway up top in the office, keeping Pineda around, I think this team is going to be very successful this year. You got to think, Pineda took over a team that had a bunch of other guys, people on it. So the way he wants to play is not necessarily where the talent level was. That's why we have loaned people out that don't necessarily fit or need a change of pace. Because we don't want to get rid of them yet. Because there are places at times where you're going to need those people back. But for right now, we're clearing the deck a little bit. We're going to, you know, start over towards the strikers. We're going to, you know, by the way, contrary to other shows that I've listened to in the last couple of days, beliefs that we were able to get sign the striker from, uh, from Celtic. What was his name? Uh, either way, he is he is now he's signing with Japan. By the way, apparently at one point Atlanta was in the conversation, but uh, Celtic declined Atlanta's offer and agreed with Urawa in Japan's J1 league, which is their top tier league, and he is now in Japan. It was mostly up to the team. I think the player had a little bit of insight into it. That was his two top choices. And so we didn't get it. You know, he's the uh, the Greek guy that was playing for Celtic. But there's other people we're looking at. We're looking at, uh, we got to see what Peterson, not Peterson, what um, Pineda. What Pineda, I don't know where Peterson come from. What Pineda is after what kind of game is he wanting to do now he is not a sit back and develop out of the back he is not a um, over the top forward thinking that is uh frank DeBoer would be the first in the build to the back and tata martinez was more of a over the top play up front play aggressive i think he's a build out of the middle guy that's what it seems to me he doesn't want it to really get past his, his midfield, his midfield and midfielders, he wants to keep everything kind of in the middle of the team to where they can build out and go from there. And uh, having a couple strikers and a couple uh, a couple setups along the ways. You know, once again, what made Atlanta United so great years ago is that they had people... They had people like... Julian Gressel up the side that could uh, that could just drop passes right in front of uh, Miggy or or Jomar and and they could do the rest from there and outmaneuver defenders and pop it in just dropping it right in the bucket like that and we've got a couple guys that can do that nowadays but we don't play that way anymore that was that forward thinking hyper aggressive just run forward and uh, we we trust our back line if something goes bad we do trust our back line. Juan Parada is one of my favorite players. He reminds me a lot of LGP 
who was also one of my favorite players here, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. Uh, he doesn't quite get as many skirmishes and yellow cards as LGP. It's just part of LGP's game. But I like Parada, and I like a lot of the other pieces we have here. I believe this team is going to be more on the up and up than taking steps back like before. Uh, the second part of their schedule. You know, last week we talked about the first quarter of their schedule. Let's talk about the second part of the schedule. Uh, on Saturday, May the 6th, they're going to be in Miami. How fitting is that that we just talked about Joe Moore? We're going to get to see Joseph Martinez uh, Saturday, May the 6th at 7.30 kickoff down in Southern Florida. On Saturday, May the 13th, They're, we are going to host Charlotte. It's still a weird code. I know it's the airport code. It's weird to see those letters together like that. Uh, we're going to host Charlotte that Saturday, 7.30 p.m. here in the ATL. The following Wednesday, we're going to host Colorado, 7.30 kickoff on that one. Like I said, that is a Wednesday. On May the 20th, we will be in Chicago. Say we. They will be in Chicago, 8.30 Kickoff on that one. That is a Saturday. That would be fun if you were in Chicago. They will follow that up the following Saturday by playing in Orlando. 7.30 kickoff on that one. Wednesday, May the 31st, they will host New England here in Atlanta. 7.30 on that one. On Saturday, June the 3rd, they will be in L.A. to take on LAFC. 10.30 kickoff in that one. And to round out the first half of the schedule, they they will host D.C. United right here June the 10th. That's a Saturday at 7.30. It's a fun schedule. It's a fun schedule, guys. I think you guys are going to enjoy that one. Um, I am looking at getting a couple United reporters and things that I know on this show soon. There are some things I want to run past them. Uh, a couple of them are in the middle of transitions themselves. So uh, when everything gets ironed out, I'm going to try to have them on. I think uh, you guys are going to enjoy that. So without further ado, let's talk about the back half of the rugby ATL schedule and talk a little bit about them uh, before getting out of here today. Now, The back half of the schedule for Rugby ATL, you know, they play down there at Silverbacks Park. It's a fantastic park to watch rugby. And there are a lot of changes, but they're all one central theme. But we'll get into that in a minute. On April the 23rd, they will be in New England to face the Free Jacks. Don't know any of these times yet. They will all change between now and then. On May the 27th, or no, on May the 6th, rather. I'm not reading this right. May the 6th, they will host Chicago Rugby, the brand new team. They, uh, the Chicago Hounds, I believe is what they're going by. That They look, they got some killer looking uniforms and uh, they're putting together a heck of a team. Uh, they will be in Toronto to face the Arrows. It's the second leg of the Fire and Ice Cup. On May the 12th, that's been a fun series. They kick off the season with Toronto this year here at home, and that's going to be fun. That's a great team. May the 20th, they will host the Dallas Jackals. They're a pretty fun team. They will be in Utah on May the 27th to face the Warriors. They will host the New England Free Jacks here on June the 2nd. On June the 10th, they will host Rugby New York, the defending champions. Did I get that right? Yeah. And on June the 18th, they will finish up by facing Old Glory DC up in the District of Columbia. Should be fun. It's it's going to be a fun schedule. I mean, last week we talked about the, the props, the loose head and the tight head props. We talked about the hookers. 
Today we're going to talk about the second row and back row guys. And uh, these are usually where your team captains and your team leaders are. They are, um, you know, the, the props and the hookers are the upfront guys. Without without better way to say it, the second row and back row guys are more of the ones who back those up, and they're looking to facilitate and keep things moving. But if they start to get out of control, they will jump in there and, uh, and uh, do what they need to do. They're always in there battling and fighting. In, in a good way, not actual MMA fighting, but they're they're in there fighting hard uh, to help the props and the hookers and keep control of the line. Uh, our second row guys at this moment are Johan Momsen, who is one of the best in the league and arguably one of the most fun South Africans I've ever met in my life. And the fact that he did not chase me or uh, try to smash me for um, live on a show when I was holding the camera for both of us, uh, asking him how why they come out a little flat in the second half, um, uh, just shows you the amazing patience that he has and um, how dumb my questions can be sometimes. But Johan Momsen is back. Nahul Milan joins the team this year. He's new. Jordan Brown is also new. I want to say he might be a draft pick. I know Matt Gelhouse. I feel like we did draft him. Uh, those are second row guys. I look forward to meeting the new guys. Um, is how out of, of that group, Johan is the only one I have I have met because he was on the team last year. Uh, new guys are always fun. I look forward to getting out there very very soon. I think they have a scrimmage or a practice game coming up, like a preseason game, maybe next weekend. If we can get out there, we will definitely try to do so. Uh, let's go to the back row. Back row, guys. You get friend of the show, Vili Halu. Had him on the show last, or had him, we did a post-game interview with him last, last year. He was fantastic. Uh, very, very good guy. Uh, we get Frederick Henry Ajuda. He was on the team last year. Didn't see him so much. I think he had an injury that kept him from playing a little bit. We've got the captain Matt Heaton. You guys know about Heats. We've had him on the show a couple, or we've had him on the, the interviews a couple times. Maybe we'll put some of those on the show at some point. Uh, Ross Deacon, who is the pit bull of the group, uh, very nice, very cool guy. But every time I have asked somebody on this team, who's the guy who pushes you in practice? Ross Deacon is the first two words out of their mouth every time. Every time they say, well, I mean, even Heats said, well, we've got people that push in different ways. We've got a guy that pushed this way, guy that pushed this way, guy that pushed this way. But it's the guy who pushes you physically is Ross Deacon. And uh, he's fantastic, too. Um, coming off a stint with the United States team just a couple weeks ago, we'll get Jason Dam. He's coming back. He was injured a lot of last year, which sucked. He wanted to be out there so bad. And he finally got cleared towards the end of the year. I think he had a setback and then got to play again. Uh, but he was healthy and got to join the U.S. squad. So as I told him, as much as we want you to play for ATL, you must be meant for something different. And so when that opportunity comes, you'll be ready. And he was ready to play with the U.S. Uh, with the Eagles. So that was fantastic. Jason Dam is back, though. And uh, Damon Torres who was on the team last year, I believe. He may have played a little bit. I never got to cross paths with him. He is on my list of people to cross paths with. Also, if there are people on these teams that you guys want me to talk to or want to uh, try to have on this show or just just uh, get to know things you want to ask them, send all that to us. Send all that to us. We definitely appreciate it. I will do my best. I am already, I've been talking to the front office and the team about various things already. So we look forward to doing that. And, uh, oh, last bit of news. They signed, they re-signed Justin Bassam, who I think he's a second row guy, but I'm not for certain. But he is a big mountain of a man. And uh, he seemed excited to be back. We are excited that he is back. And uh, I'm telling you, 
I've just went through the the front couple lines. Wait till I get to the the scrum halves and the fly halves and the centers and the wings and the fullbacks. Those are the ones that are, that are usually flying up and down the sidelines with the ball. So that's kind of your uh, your quarterback, your quarterbacks and your and your wide receivers and your tight ends, so to say. Wait till we get into those. You guys are gonna love those. But until then, that's gonna do it for another great edition of that sports show. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.